for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. A special shout-out this morning to all those listening in Milgrove, Victoria, on 87.6. If you're listening from Milgrove, give us a call. Shoot us a text message. We would love to hear from you. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Um, I'm thankful that I am here and feeling good. Better than yesterday. That's positive? Yeah, I don't know. Yesterday, I just wasn't feeling very well. Not Well, I came here to radio. It was early in the morning, and I'm like, oh, I feel okay. Then I went to the gym, and I started to get really dizzy. And it wasn't like I was doing cardio or I anything. What's, maybe there's a bug going around in the studio because producer Shell woke up kind of dizzy this morning. Well, I, I was like dizzy yesterday and then I was working and I was like falling asleep while I'm working and just all kinds of stuff. I'm like, man, what is wrong with me? Uh, but today... Uh, I feel a little bit better. I don't know. Made a good start. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's yeah, see. we'll see. We'll see how Check it goes. Check in at the end of the show. Tell, see how Lawson's doing. See if he's still <laughs> with us or whether he's uh, fallen off his chair. You let's know. find out. Whether I've keeled over. Yep. A bit, bit the bucket. We'll, we'll let you know. Bit the bucket. I, I, the bucket. I will let you know. I will let you know. Not we. No, I will let you know. <laughs> how are you feeling this Because if he bites the bucket, then... <laughs> Then he won't be able to tell you about it. I'm doing great. Yeah, I got I've uh, got an old friend coming to visit today that I haven't seen for probably um, 20, 30 years. That is a long time. Super long years. time. I don't know. Producer Shell has seen this person a lot more recently than what I have, but it's still a fair chunk of time. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And Lawson's going to bring you the first question for the quiz. What have you got for us, Lawson? What were the three attributes Jesus gave himself for why no one comes to the Father except through him? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. That verse, that quote, it's found in John 14.6. And again, that question was, what are the three attributes Jesus gave himself for why no one comes to the Father except through him? If you know the answer, you will go into the draw to win Miracles and Pitfalls, the Bible board game. You can play with your friends, you make your way around the board, answer quiz questions. Fantastic game. I love board games. I love winning board games. I'll beat you in any board game. I don't care what it is. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to win. Lawson. At least the first go around. So I've got this weird thing going on where whenever I play a game for the first time, I always win. I always, always have beginner's luck. And it started right back. I played Dominion. I'm going to break this. I played Dominion with Shell like five years ago, Uh and I won first go. And I was like... Wow. And then we I We have lots of different games at our house. I'm going to invite you over for a games night and we're going to play a different game every time until you lose one for the first time. Because dude, and when I'm I was going to come on air and I'm going to say Lawson is a loser. But it doesn't it's not just that. It's like every time I play Avalon or uh me and Harley last time we were hanging out, we were play we played nineteen sixty, like the election game, and we played Robo Rally as well, and I swept him in both of them. Like absolutely <laughs> destroyed him. First go, I'm like I don't even play these games, but, you know, I, I feel like if I played this game, and again, which I will play with the winner of this quiz, we'll, we'll find a way. Yes. We'll find a way There's to a come and play with There's a few places that we've got to get to at some point. I'm sorry, but I'm going to come. I'm going to beat you at this game. 
Okay. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What were the three attributes Jesus gave himself for why no one comes to the Father except through him in John fourteen six? All right, there you go. Interesting. Uh, do you know the answer to this one, Lawson? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's in front of my eyes. Oh, like I see okay. the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the but answer. But the three, the three, like John fourteen six is a pretty famous passage. Very famous passage. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Let's go to positively different news. Okay. For positively different news this morning, I this first story isn't necessarily positive. Okay. But I believe there is a positive outcome that that can be obtained. So essentially, it's it's the story is this. We've had the bird flu this year, and I've talked about it a little bit, in Europe and America and Asia, and it's the worst that it's ever been. Mm. It's the worst bird flu that we've ever seen. Now, bird flu, or the H5N1 virus, has existed since 1996, since it was like first reported in China. Uh, and in the last couple of years, it's killed in, in the US and Europe, like o- almost 100 million birds. That's like oof. it is just decimating oof. the population. Um, right now in England specifically, it's affecting a ton of different species, um, over 80 different bird species. Uh, and for example, it's killed 40% of the skewer population in Scotland. So has it resulted in resulted in extinctions? Not quite. It's it's just really it's because it's transmittable from bird to bird, yeah. it's just each population is just going down and down and down and down and reducing and reducing and reducing. Now, this disease... Until they begin to build up some immunity to it and, that's and right. recover from it. Now, they've actually rolled out bird flu vaccines. Right. Uh, and they've been vaccinating some birds against bird flu, but there's no way of knowing whether the birds that are vaccinated against the bird flu are contaminated with the bird flu or not, just like kind of like COVID. Like even though you get a vaccination, you can you, still get COVID and you yep. can still spread COVID. It's just that you get affected less by COVID. And so the amount of birds getting sick with bird flu to the amount of birds that they can actually vaccinate is, yeah, it's it's not really catching up. And furthermore, like where the vaccination for bird flu is being rolled out the, the thickest is in China, where essentially those, because you can't tell which birds who are vaccinated have bird flu or not, essentially any birds that are vaccinated, the entirety of the international community are like, we don't want any meat or eggs or anything from those birds. So it's not necessarily solving the problem. The other crazy thing about the bird flu and the outbreak this time is that, well, bird flu is usually mostly contained and comes from like the factory farming of birds. So in these huge bird farms, that's where it the bird flu is beginning and just like sweeping through and just infecting everything. Um, but now it's touching a huge amount of the wildlife like wild birds as well, Mm -hmm, wildlife population, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, and spreading from there. Now, to to tackle this outbreak, yes, they've been doing the vaccines, but they've showed repeatedly again and again and again the way to solve this problem is just like we understand with diseases, you know, for humankind, is that, hey, if you spread people out, you know, do some... Do some quarantine, get people away from each other, just while create some distance. Create some distance. Then essentially you start solving this problem. You know, it's the reason why actually a lot of people now are moving out of cities. Not just because it's like not just because you get ha- tend to get more sick in cities, uh, but also because it's just cities are just 
crowded well, yeah, and, and it's a very valid thing. Is you know, I was looking at some history um, recently where during the Roman Empire, mm. uh, the average lifespan was about forty years. Mm. Which is very very short. Yeah. But then what they were pointing out was the average lifespan. If you lived in a city, was you you were dying in your twenties. No one was making it out of their twenties wow. for people who lived in cities. Wow. So yeah, cities have never been great for health. That's right. And Head it's out like to the country. Okay, you're packing all those birds together because you're well, then packing them into meat patties or whatever. Uh, yeah. If you just control that, if you just limit, yeah, we the would amount never have fact- had. We would never have had bird flu if they hadn't had. Chickens in cages. In cages, that's right. If you just limit the amount of birds that you stick together, the bird flu does not have the ability to spread. It, because it, it, go, it bird flu spreads through two things, saliva and droppings. So, like, the birds poop and the birds spit and it gets contaminated because, like, particularly the reason why it affects uh, factory farming so much is because they all feed from the same trough. Yes. And they'll be feeding from the trough and the birds will be eating and one bird who has bird flu, they'll eat a piece of seed and some of their spit will get into the other seed and whatever it may be, and then they all get sick. If you just stop doing that, you've solved the problem. You've solved the problem. So, guys, here is my solution, okay? We're coming up to Christmas. And one one area that this is particularly affecting is the turkey population, especially in the UK. They're really worried that they're not going to have enough turkey or even just eggs. Um, not only turkey eggs, but also chicken eggs as well. Like, they're, they're, they're currently going through an egg shortage. Mm-hmm. This is how you solve the problem. Brush turkey. Just... Well, either get out in the bush, <laughs> go go out hunting, and and get nah, a, leave the brush turkeys alone. Get they're, a they're, get they're, a turkey cool. from out there, or or just don't eat it. You know, in fact, just don't eat. It. Oh, what a what a novel idea! Just, because if you eat vegetables, then you don't get bird flu because you're not <laughs> cramming birds together in cages in China somewhere or other and creating this strange disease that then infects the whole world. That's right, and you don't have a problem. You have space. no issues. Yep. Be- because also, bird flu can be contracted by humans. Yes. Now, it is relatively low risk for humans, but do you want a disease that comes from eating birds? No. No, I don't want it either. So here's the dead solution. Birds. Yeah, of course, dead birds. Uh, if you're eating alive birds, you need help. Uh, if, if you're eating dead birds, you need help. If you're eating alive birds, you need even more help. Um, specialized help. Specialized help, that's right. If you're but- eating live birds, we can help you here. It's like, okay... Become a vegetarian. Okay, we helped you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, but hey, listen, this Christmas, and, and I can fully attest to this, last Christmas we had um, a, a full spread, and my family, majority of which aren't vegetarian and eating everything, and they've got meat everywhere, and then they had a special, me and my older sister, we're vegan, so they had this special like vegan roast, and they got this sauce and put it on it, and legit, like it was the tastiest thing you could even imagine. And you're looking forward to it again this Christmas? Yeah, I am definitely looking forward to it. But to the point where at our Christmas dinner table, the non-vegetarians were eating the vegan roast because the sauce and the texture and the taste was so good. They were like having their share of meat, but they're like, oh, we really want to try this. And they're like, man, I want to eat more of this, but this is just for Lawson and Maddie. We can't take any more. But I'm like, oh, well, you know, you could have made more and we could all have just been vegetarian. It was, it was an interesting situation. But guys, point is, if you're coming into this Christmas looking forward to eating birds, 
probably don't do that. And there's definitely amazing, healthy, and tasty solutions. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're contributing, if you don't eat the birds, you're contributing to the birds not getting bird flu. Indeed you are. Less demand on the factory farming process. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. With the double L team, Lyle and Lawson, and Lawson is going to bring you the next question for the quiz. All right, the next question for the quiz. When King Solomon died, where was he buried? Oh, if you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text and you will go into the draw to win our amazing prize for this week, Miracles and Pitfalls Board Game, a game of Bible adventure. If you want to go on a Bible adventure, you, your friends, your family, the strangers within your gates, the cattle, the male servants, the female servants, Whoever you know, if you want to go on a Bible adventure, 0491-064-669. I don't think any of you probably have male or female servants. You know, this is kind of some biblical language. But if you know some people like that, hey, get them in. Get them to to come play this board game with you, and you and they will be blessed. But again, that question was, when King Solomon died, where was he buried? 0491-064-669. Okay, so we've been talking about weather recently and Mm. how that the weather has changed. The weather is not the way it used to be. And, of course, a lot of people who are talking about climate change focus on the warming of the planet, but Mm. this spring has been the coldest spring that we have seen in Australia in decades and in many places on record ever, Western Mm. Sydney, uh, even out west here in Newcastle. We still have not had a day that has reached 30 degrees. And it's the wow. last day of it's the last day of spring. We've, we've we've hit like twenty six and twenty seven and twenty eight. I know, but I mean, hey, I've seen it hit thirty five in September. Totally, I've seen it hit the thirties in August. Mm. And here we are into December tomorrow, and we're just wow. we're not going to make it. Mm. Okay, so this is the coldest has been the coldest spring in thirty years for Melbourne, Adelaide, and Canberra. It has been the wettest spring uh, for most of Southeast Australia and most of the Murray-Darling Basin. Mm. Uh, The western suburbs of Sydney, including Penrith, have failed to hit 30 degrees for the first time on record. The mean temperatures across Sydney were the coldest since 2003. Mm. And we had snow right up into central New South Wales right into spring. That was insane. Yeah. I'm seeing my friends, like, go snowboarding in T-shirts. Yes. I'm like, that, that just doesn't happen. That <laughs> happens in places around the world, but, yeah, but not, not in Australia. Not it in needs this, to be freezing country. cold for it to snow. Yes. that's Yeah, that's crazy. So the weather is definitely out of whack. Uh, what's interesting about the weather, in my mind, is not so much whether it's getting warmer or colder, but that we are living in an environment in which the breaking of records is now the norm. Mm. seems every year we're breaking records here, totally. there, and everywhere. And uh, the Bible predicts that this is what the world would be like just before Jesus comes Mm. back. All right. This is a great one for all of you conspiracy theorists. 
We're going to have a COVID conspiracy here. Oh, okay. So I thought you were going to get into weather control oh, for a no, little no, bit. No, 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 no. Let's just change the subject to talk about COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay, so during COVID, there was a bunch of people who were complaining about the fines and these fines are illegal mm. and they can't find me for this and they can't find me for that. And my typical reaction is, oh, you're just being a sovereign citizen. You know, if you know what a sovereign citizen is, type it into YouTube and you'll get, you know, examples <laughs> of a bunch of people trying to get out of speeding fines by saying, I wasn't driving, I was travelling mm. and under nautical law, you can't find me. Mm. And then they get fined, and then they complain, and so then they get this thrown in jail. This is not a commercial it. vehicle, <laughs> yeah, and <I> therefore, <laughs> it's rather entertaining yeah. to see people being silly. And a lot of people during COVID were like, "I'm not going to get fined. They can't find me for this. I'm going to get out of this." And I'm thinking, mm, "No, no, about that." Yeah. Well, the New South Wales Supreme Court just invalidated more than half of its COVID fines. Wow. More than half. Mm. invalidated by the New South Wales Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So some of you who are listening this morning and who I thought, no, they're just being a sovereign citizen, maybe you weren't weren't being a sovereign citizen after all. Um, And they found that these fines were just simply illegal. Uh, This was the result of a couple of test cases. Uh, Justice Adina Yehia, I think it's pronounced, Mm. uh, concluded both cases did not meet the requirements under the Fines Act finding that they were therefore invalid. Mm. So that's uh, 33,000 fines coming to a total of $10 million worth of fines that the New South Wales government is not going to get. 8,000 of those fines are still outstanding because people have refused to pay them for whatever reason. Mm. And so there's a bunch of outstanding fines that will now be people. They'll get a letter to say that uh, they they're no longer, voided. yeah, they've been voided. They no longer need to pay those fines. The rest of people, they're going to be contacted, and the when they get contacted, they'll be asked, basically asking for bank details so that we they can be refunded. My question is, is that during COVID, we had all those stories about churches like not abiding to COVID lockdown laws and getting huge fines. I wonder if any of those cases are being, like, refunded. Well, I'm sure that some of them will be. Yeah. Like, churches who are being fined, like, $10,000, $12,000, $20,000 for, like, breaking lockdown laws and doing church anyway. And we kind of talked about them on the radio. And we were like, oh, that's, like, again, kind of, you're not a sovereign citizen. That's kind of cringe. We all have to, you know, as much as it's terrible that we can't worship, we'll have to abide by this, like, you know, is this really the best way? Yeah, and, and to people, people Christ? were saying, "Oh, you know, I'm going to get off on this," and I'm thinking, "Yeah, just being a YouTube lawyer." Yeah, you know. Yeah, talk to someone who's a real lawyer. Well, maybe the <laughs> YouTube lawyers actually came through this. I time. think this is pretty unprecedented, even for a real lawyer. Yes, <laughs> they were the real lawyers who would be like, "We did not expect that to happen." So, uh, one of the two people who came forward with these test cases, a guy by the name of Rohan Pank. Uh, he was the first person to bring his case to the... Uh, he b- brought his case to the Redfern Legal Centre in July. He had his $1,000 fine dismissed. He was fined for sitting on a hill at Sydney Park in August last year. So he's sitting on a hill by himself in the park, copped the fine. Oof. You know, <laughs> pretty rough. Uh, interestingly, that uh, the places that copped the most fines per capita were Walgut, Brawarana and Wilcannia. And so the Aboriginal Legal Services has um, definitely kicked in to support these cases to 
get these people off of their fines. Mm. And so, yeah, an interesting one right there. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are going to be interested to hear about that. Okay, let's talk about witchcraft. Okay. I support uh, witchcraft, uh, witchcraft's uh-huh. right to practice witchcraft. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I believe in religious liberty, and religious liberty applies to everybody. Sure. So if we go to Scotland, Scotland has just passed an act of parliament to apologise for the burning of witches 300 years ago. Wow. So this is really interesting, and I'm, I look at stories like this and I'm like, really? The apology is a little bit hollow. All of those families that were affected by don't that and all those witches exist. that were affected by that don't exist anymore. Yeah. Is this just a bunch of uh, – is this, is, this, is this the ultimate of virtue signaling? That is so funny. <laughs> That's actually so funny. Because, okay, I'm all for apologising where apologies to you, and I think that – Where apologies are going to make a difference. And I think, for example, 2008 here in Australia when the apology was made by Kevin Rudd, you know, to the stolen generation and the victims of those, because they were they're they, still alive. They and their families are still alive. It can make a difference. It absolutely, and it absolutely did. Like it, it, it really meant a lot. But apologizing to burning witches, apologizing to dead people who've been dead for three hundred years. That's Oopsie! Just, like that's just sorry, a, that's cringe virtue signaling right there. Oh, that is wild. Okay, so I fully support the right of witches to exist and to worship and to practice, Mm -hmm. you know, their witchcraft as they, you know, because I support the right of somebody to worship Satan if they so choose. Mm -hmm. That's religious liberty. That's what religious liberty is. Mm -hmm. And that is the religious liberty that God gives to us. Mm -hmm. He gives us the right not to serve him. Mm -hmm. But the question that goes through my mind is, why did they apologise to witches? Why haven't they apologised to all of the Protestants that they killed and burned at the stake? Where's that apology? Why aren't they apologising to the Druids mm. who they went in and wiped out back mm. in the day? Um, and if you're going to apologise to people from 300 years ago, you know, what's the statute of limitations on that? Mm. You know, It's not going to have any effect today, obviously. So... How far back are you going to go and where are you going to stop? I mean, you know, all of those Protestants who were burned at the stake because of John chapter 15 and verse 6. Mm. You know, it's interesting where that comes from. Uh, if a man abide not in me, is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Roman Catholics read that and they're like, okay, you've become a Protestant, so we're going to cast you into the fire and burn you because that's what the Bible says to do. Wow. And you've got about 150 million people during the Dark Ages, including Scotland, that died for their faith. Mm. So we apologize to the two and a half thousand witches. Fair enough. What about apologising to the Protestants who died because they believed in salvation by grace and the Bible alone? Mm. Now, I'm not asking for an apology as a Protestant because it's not going to make any difference. I don't want you to apologise for something you did in the past. I want you to give religious liberty in the present. Mm. That's the key issue. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lawson, we got another question for our quiz. We do. And that question is, what was Jerusalem formerly called? Mm, two potential Yeah, names. two different titles, an entry for each answer. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so one we, question, but you can get two entries. You can get into two the... points. 
That's right. 0491-064-669. What was Jerusalem formerly called? Two different titles, an entry for each answer. If you know the answer to that one, you'll go into the draws to win the Miracles and Pitfalls board game, a game of Bible adventure. Last time we gave away a game, when Blake was on the show, we are talking about all the different places where you could potentially play that game. And we were saying you could play it on an airplane. We even said, I, I, I suggested that you could potentially play it going up the ski lift. If you could really, if you really tried. And I think you'd do the same with this game. There's so many places where you could play it. So if you want this game, that, again, that number is 0491-064-669. La, you're just not thinking You would enough. lose some components. No, you just need enough hands to hold enough things. But a ski lift has a limited number of hands allowed. Oh, you can get on one with like eight people. Anyways, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What was the what was Jerusalem? Is that places where you can called? play it? Yeah, there's also places where it would be unwise. No, no, we're, we're we're getting to the bottom. I think you could probably even play it at the bottom of the ocean. You could play it in a submarine. I will give you that. I think that's better than a ski lift. <laughs> no, I I am sure you can play this game. I bet you could play it skydiving. No, it would Abso- blow away. Absolutely no. <laughs> 200 kilometers an hour in the wind? Nah, not going to happen. Easy. Anyway, joining us on the phone this morning to talk about emotional health is Jennifer Skews for her weekly segment. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hello, Jennifer. Are you there? I do not have Jennifer on the sh- on the on the phone. Mm. Ah, Jennifer, now now we can hear you. Now we can hear you. I Good because it's a bit of an odd connection up here this morning. It happens from time to time, unfortunately, the vagaries of, uh, of the mobile network. Jennifer, I have been on leave for the last five weeks, so I've, oh, lost, track of, I've lost track of where we're up to. Whereabouts are we up to? Well, we're, st- we're starting to look more at our beliefs and values and changing our beliefs and how we program the brain. We've looked at grief and loss. We did some work on that while you were away. Um, and last time we started to look at things like time orientation, being more mindful, being living in the present moment, um, and how to the relationship between the brain, the mind, thoughts, beliefs, feelings, that sort of thing, and how do you rewire the brain? So we're sort of doing some work on that at the moment. Ah, fantastic! All right, let's talk about it. Where, where do we where do we start off? Well, one of the things that is important, psychologists often use what I call mental maps. In other words, models, visual images that help people to actually understand something. Because I find if you give them a book to read, it's overwhelming and the brain, particularly if you're not well, can't take it in. But I find if you give them a visual image, so I've sort of spent time creating some visual images for people and we'll talk about one of them today that's actually a well-used one. But science has found that when the brain knows how it works or when it has a mental map, it works a lot smarter. So um, this is where I find this works really well with most people. So one of the mental maps that is used, you might have heard of is the ABC model, and I don't know if you've heard it. It's uh, what they call a cognitive behavioural therapy, and it's a model that works from... The actions we take, which is the A, but the beliefs we have and the consequences for those actions and beliefs. So it's a simple thing of, you can even write it out in that ABC format. What, um, what happened? What's the event? 
what do I think and believe or believe and think and what was the consequence? What was the outcome? And it's a very simple way of being able to look at an event that we're reacting to and or overwhelmed by and making sense of it. Um, so I don't know. Can you relate to that, Matt? Does that make sense yeah, to def- you? It definitely makes sense. I There's something in the back of my head that tells me I've heard of the ABC map system before, but it's just, yeah, when, when you said it, I'm thinking, ah, I think I've heard of this, but I couldn't remember the details of it. No, and it's one that's been around for many years. It's one of the early ones I learned in psychology that I thought, yes, that's a good thing to do for the brain. So it's one I've worked with in various forms. So, And there's a lot more to it, but just the basis is really helpful so people out there listening can use it as a way of writing things down. And one of the – because this helps to change the brain. And when we look at mental maps, we're actually putting new freeways in the brain, getting off of the old ones, in other words, getting – finding exit roads to get off that constant barrage of thoughts that drive us nuts, that lead us to doing things that we don't want to do always or reacting in ways we don't like. So to change it, you've got to change your brain, and this is one of the ways of doing it. And one of the examples that Blake brought up recently was exercise because he struggled with that, and it's something I've struggled to maintain uh, in my health as well. And a lot of people who don't exercise don't like it, think it's a waste of time, they don't have time to do it, it's too hard, yet often the message is, I should do it, it's good for me. Yes. Um, but they sabotage it. And the should is a guilt message. So we should take good out of our language. <laughs> uh, because when I tell you you should do something, it's loaded with you're a bad person if you don't do it. Yes. So you, re- you replace it with could. I could do it. So you give a choice versus a have to. So that's one a, of the things... It's a subtle difference. It's a subtle difference, but I can imagine it makes a big difference. Oh, it makes a big difference. If I um, should uh, something, if I go, I should do it, I can feel myself prickling a bit because well, why do I have to? You know, This is part of our nature, but also the should is implied as this is almost a guilt message. If I don't do it, I should feel bad about it because I'm not doing what I should do, that sort of thing. So I get people to replace it with could. I could do it. And could is a choice. So you can find other words, but I think from should to could. So I encourage people to see how often they use that word should. I hear it all the time. So take it out of vocabulary, put in could, because that makes a different, even a different feeling. If I could do something, it means, oh, I could choose to or not to. So that's one of the terms that I like people to use. So when it comes to exercise, I could choose to do exercise versus I should do it, right? And then one of the things often, like I said, the messages is, oh, it's too hard. I don't ha- I often get, I don't have time. I'm too busy or I don't have the energy. So one of the things you do is break it down to much smaller parts because the brain can cope with a small chunk. So if you want to take the action of doing some exercise, then what you do is look at what can I do? And I get people to build it into their routine. So, for example, if you're going shopping, park your car a bit of a distance and walk into the shop, then you've got to push the trolley back. That's exercise. So because people look at exercise as going and doing something, you know, like going walking, jogging, you know, going to a gym, but it doesn't have to be. So um, looking at your choices and what you could do is different to what you should do. 
That's a big difference, and I'm wondering whether it makes a lot of difference in the way that we communicate to other people. So, for instance, when we want to affect somebody else in a really positive way, rather than saying, Mm -hmm. hey, look, you should do this, we could say, well, you could do that. You could, or it might be better if you do that. There's different ways of putting it. So simple change of language makes it much more inviting. Oh, absolutely, and... How often if someone says, oh, you should be doing that, how do you react to that? So this is where that action or that, that thinking, which is your belief, they're a bad person if they don't do it, is often the belief which should. Parents, you, you should you know, clean up your room and you should, you know, this is where I was brought up with. <laughs> you shouldn't go out looking like that. I used to get a lot of those messages and that was a disapproval message in my home. So I've changed it to those choices that we're talking about because what when you look at the action of exercise, for example, and what you should do or what you could do makes a big difference in the way you feel. Mm. So I could do that. People say, oh, I could do that. Or can you do a walk around the block? Or can you get out in your garden and do some stretching and, um, you know, jog on the spot for five minutes? And they go, oh, I could do that. So it's looking at what people can do to change the habit because exercise particularly, I think you're an exercise person, aren't you? I'm a, I'm a person who believes very strongly in exercise. I do I do exercise. I do uh, walk from time to time, but I'm also one of these people who – who could do it more than I do? So that's it. you won't come running with me. That's, that's okay. I've <laughs> never run in my life. I will admit that I am a walker, not a runner. I'm the kind of person who I can literally walk for eight hours without stopping, right. without struggling, but I can't run right. hundred meters. Fair enough. We all enjoy different types of exercise. Yes, and it's fine. You can gardening's an exercise, but people don't see it as that. You know, so right. well, see, one of the things that I love to do is to cut firewood. Mm-hmm. I, I cut firewood yeah. for recreation. Well, there you go. That's good exercise, isn't it? When you look Very at the muscles you use. So people's view of exercise, their belief around it has to change. I mean, it's a good example because a lot of people struggle with this. Um, but it's anything that you don't like doing, what you believe about it makes a big difference. And if you look at the could do it or how I could do it, it might not be my favourite thing. How often do you put off things that you, are too hard? You think, oh, I really don't want to do that, and you leave it and leave it, whereas if you change your belief around it and cut it into chunks, you can do a little bit at a time instead of facing the whole thing. It can make a big difference. So the action you take leads to the way you feel, and the consequence can be a negative or a positive. Yes, right? Yes. So if you see chopping wood as exercise, you're going to feel good at the end of it and it definitely works your energy and uplifts you because you're exercising. It's one of those things where I really enjoy exercise when I can see something at the end of it that I've accomplished. Okay, like a pile like, of wood. Like a pile of wood. If I've got a big pile of wood outside, <laughs> I, I walk inside with a feeling of accomplishment and it's been just some absolutely fantastic cardio exercise. Well, that's why fitness watches exist. Because it gives you, it says you ran eight kilometers. Good for you. And this is one of the one of the reasons why recently I've been using an exercise app, which has you know created the gamification and created the competition sort of aspect of exercise, and it's been really really motivating. 
Uh, oh, and, okay. And producer Shell, I mean, she'd go out and like walk for 40 kilometres or something or other on this exercise yep. app just because she could, it, it was motivating. Yeah, and you can yep. see results. Yep. You can see, you know, where you've walked and how much ground you've covered. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic. There are some, so that's another thing with people is using that sort of thing. The other thing with, uh, and, and we're just using exercise as a principle, is to, um, if you're going to exercise like walking, do it what we call mindfully, which is what we've been talking about while you're away, is focusing in the present. We looked again at the past, present and future model, which is a mental map and being in the present. So doing a mindful walk where you get out and you're sniffing the smells and you're looking at all the gardens or maybe you're going to listen to all the birds, feel the sunshine. Um, so there's things that you actively do that is very uplifting, so there's a positive result at the end of it. And you've spent the time not worrying about everything. You've been enjoying nature as you go. So if I throw a headset on and I listen to a class that I'm doing Mm -hmm. while I go for my walk, is that not being mindful? Is that kind of going to distract from the positive benefits that I'm getting from being in nature because I'm obviously I'm not hearing anything I'm you know still I'm not seeing anything like as much because you're kind of focusing on the class that you're doing no you won't if you're listening to something but if that gets you out walking there are benefits but if it's a nature walk then there are no benefits well they're probably minimal because you're in nature but generally if you really want to connect on that level and we know then spiritually it's good to connect with God's creation so Maybe sometime do that sort of walk and then another time do a walk with your earphones on and you're learning something. Hmm. Fascinating stuff. Very, very interesting, Jennifer. We always appreciate what you have to share here on uh, the Faith FM Breakfast Show. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Pleasure. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.